Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We are in our sermon series. 1 Timothy, sound doctrine in the church. We are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy, and we are coming to an end. I have really enjoyed going through this letter from Paul to Timothy. It has been enjoyable. It has been convicting. There have been moments within this letter as we have been preaching through 1 Timothy that I have to stop and realize that Maybe I need to take a reevaluation of my own walk with the Lord. And I hope that's true for you as well. Not to be discouraged, but to be encouraged in what Christ is doing currently, what he has done historically, and what we know that he will do on into the future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this morning, we want to continue to pray for Norma Berry. Lord, it looks like she is coming up to her last days here on this earth. But through that time, be with John. Relieve any anxiety that he may have associated with her health and future state. Lord, we pray that you use this opportunity in their lives to bring others to a saving faith in you. As we get into our word, your word this morning, Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts to hear what you have for us so we can grow in our relationship with you. We pray all of this in the name that makes all of it possible, Jesus himself, amen. I just want to start off this morning by just sharing a few quotes about money. Yes, that's right. Today we're talking about money. These quotes, in my opinion, are spot on when it has to do with anything that has to do with money. I want to start off with this first quote from Will Rogers, and these will be on the screen for you. Will Rogers says this, too many people spend money they earn to buy things they don't want to impress people they do not like. I think somewhere along the lines we can all maybe, just maybe, relate to that. We've all been guilty, I would assume, from time to time to chase the Jones in our particular circle of people that we hang out with. Here's another quote from Jonathan Swift who said this, A wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. Benjamin Franklin says this, and mind you, Benjamin Franklin is on the $100 bill. Should give him some authority to make this statement. Money never made a man happy yet, nor will it. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it actually makes one. Going along with that, I've always said this about money myself. No amount of money will make you happy until you're happy with the amount of money that you have. It's really just that simple. And as we've looked at these quotes, I think it leads us into the title of our sermon this morning, which is this, the truth about being content, the truth about being content. And as stated previously, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Today, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 10. But before we do that, we have to remember that last week we covered 
well, let's just give you the sermon title from last week because the sermon title from last week was The Truth About False Teachers. So we covered false teachers within the church. Ultimately, we were encouraged to know this, though, from last week in our first set of verses from chapter 6. And it's really that simple. Where pride, profit, disunity, chaos, jealousy, where they all come to meet, when they all come together, a false teacher is sure to follow. Today we're going to be discussing the biblical definition on being content and specifically Paul, as he writes to Timothy, he uses money as our example. So we're going to go ahead and get into the text this morning and see exactly what Paul has for Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6-10. through 10. If you have your Bibles, feel free to follow along. If not, each of these verses will be on the screen for you. But godliness with content is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we're going to go ahead and put them into this one simple sentence to define everything that we see right here. And that sentence would state this, to truly be content, one must solely rely upon the Lord. It's really just that simple. To truly be content, one must solely rely upon the Lord. Now, see, it's been said in life you don't see a hearse pulling the U-Haul. I'm sure we've heard that before, but despite that saying, here we are looking at a hearse pulling a U-Haul. But that doesn't really make any sense now, does it? Brothers and sisters, according to our text this morning, what does it say? It says, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. So starting right here in verses 6 through 8, we cannot forget that from last week, we need to go back. So we're not necessarily going to start with verse 6 this morning. We're going to start with verse 5 from last week. And I will share with you what verse 5 said. Verse 5 said this, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. That's how Paul ended last week. But as we look at verses 6 through 8 this week, we see what he is really saying. Because what he was really saying, coming off of last week's set of verses, he was saying a false teacher's ministry is geared towards personal profit. See, everything that we studied last week from these false teachers, their true motivator is the fact that they gain personally from their ministry. Their motivation is not pure. Their heart is not in it for the right reasons. That's why last week, verse 5 said, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. They're only faking the fact that they follow Jesus so they can gain something out of it. Now, godliness, however, does produce personal profit. So when we look at verse 6 right here and we see that word godliness, we understand that it does in fact produce personal profit. It's just not the type that's compatible with greed. 
And we would associate personal profit with a monetary compensation, but that's not what's being discussed here. So we need to ask the question, what is godliness then? What is this godliness that Paul is talking about? See, it's likeness to God, or it's Christ-likeness, or it's sanctification. Sanctification is the process that God takes us through to make us holy. So that's the personal profit. It's not that we're receiving money from the ministry. It's that we're becoming more like Christ within the ministry. And so if the ones who lead the church, a.k.a. the elders of the church, if they are growing in godliness, then you better believe the flock will be growing in godliness too. Before we can move any further, though, godliness, as it says here, with contentment is great gain. See, it's even better. It's great gain now when we get to verse 6. The great gain to be made here is unflappable. It's unmoved by outside circumstances. And that goes back to what Mike was sharing this morning during worship. Our faith should not be rocked no matter what happens to us. There are so many things in life that we just cannot control. But as we can't control what's happening on the outside, we can control what's happening on the inside. We can control the fact that the Holy Spirit resides within us, solidifying our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Nothing, no one can penetrate that truth. Brothers and sisters, nothing taken from, nothing done to prevent you from obtaining anything should ever compromise your contentment. Your contentment should never be based upon that. The foundation of being content is our faith in Jesus. After all, He's the cornerstone of the church. He's the centerpiece. He is the unshakable foundation. We do not come into this world pulling a, a U-Haul, and I think we all know that that's just as true as we don't leave here pulling one either, do we? We come in with nothing, we leave with nothing. So no matter what happens to us, does it really matter? It doesn't, and that's exactly what Paul's getting to. And in verse 7 he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. I just want to share what one commentator had to say about this particular verse. I'm going to read it. People whose lives are dominated by the love of money spend their time pursuing what's locked in time and space. They ignore the things that have eternal value. So anything that we pursue through money because we love money is something that can't be taken out of time and space. That's why we come into time and space with nothing. That's why we leave time and space with nothing. What does the Bible tell us? How do we back this up? Proverbs 27, 24. Riches are not forever. Riches are not forever. Jesus himself in Matthew 6, 19 and 20 said this. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. I've often said this. 
I've had people ask me recently, I believe the Powerball was some astronomical number recently. Had somebody ask me, like, what would you do if you won? Well, first and foremost, I wouldn't play. But the reason why I wouldn't play the Powerball is very simple, and it has everything to do with the answer that I gave this individual when they asked me. See, the reason why I don't play the Powerball, the reason why is because I don't want to win the Powerball. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, you don't want to win the Powerball? No, I don't want to win the Powerball. Because if I won the Powerball, there's a really good chance that it would ruin me. It would destroy me, especially if I don't have any faith in Jesus. See, it's been said, some of us from the younger generation have heard, more money, more problems. Listen, if you give a $50,000 man a million dollars, guess what you just gave him? You just gave him million-dollar problems, but yet he's only used to dealing with problems that are worth 50000 And just go on down the line. See, that's our problem. We think that, hey, if I just get X number of dollars, it's going to take care of all of my problems. Okay, that's maybe true, but because you just took care of these problems, new ones just arose. Might as well play whack-a-mole. Now do you know why I'm not going to play the Powerball? I can barely manage what I have now. So, like, I want to step up to the next level? No, it would destroy me. It would potentially ruin me. Brothers and sisters, let's, let's just get real here for a second. All of us here have enough to pack a U-Haul. I mean, if we are honest with ourselves. We all have enough to pack a U-Haul. Now, maybe some of these U-Hauls will be bigger than others, but we all have enough to pack at least the smallest U-Haul. Some of us could pack the biggest U-Haul maybe 10 times over. I mean, this is, this is true of all of us. But this does not mean that we should have only food and clothing on our backs, as it says here in the text. Because what does it say? Food and clothing. So the $50,000 man and the million-dollar man According to what Paul is reminding Timothy here, they both need the same thing. Whether you are a $50,000 a year man or a $1 million a year man, you still need food and clothing. It means that we should be content with what God has provided. Because even when it comes down to the essentials just to stay alive, he provides the food and clothing. I've always thought it was ironic that we call our money greenbacks. Well, I know it's because the back of the bill is green. But green is nothing but the universal color of survival. If it's green, it's healthy, it's growing, it's producing. And we do the same thing with our money. We think just because we have more money, we're surviving better. But the truth of the matter is, that's not the case. See, Speaking of the $50,000 man and million-dollar man, I don't really care. I, I spoke with my son last night, and I told him, I don't care how much money you make someday. I don't care if you make a lot. I don't care if you make a little. That has no bearing on what I'm about ready to tell you, because what I really care about is how you live your life. What is your lifestyle? 
I'm more impressed that your lifestyle matches what you make. I'm not impressed when your lifestyle doesn't match what you make. And what we should be doing as believers, we should be good stewards of what God has given us. Therefore, we spend less than what we make. You can make a lot and spend a lot. You can make little and spend less than what you make. It has nothing to do with what you make. Really what this means is that we should avoid excess. It means that we should be avoiding greed. Allow me to just give you five ways to do just that, because I know that's not always easy for us, and there's five ways, I think, biblically speaking, that we can avoid excess and greed. I believe that these five ways will help us achieve a lifestyle that matches what the Lord has provided for us in income, because at the end of the day, we all need to earn something for that food and clothing now, don't we? So these five things are things I think that we can do to help us along the way, and first, we need to do this. We need to realize that everything you have is God's. You are nothing but a steward of what he has given you. Now, some of us here, he has given a lot. To some of us, from the outside looking in on some of those people, we would say that's a tremendous amount of money. Well, the Lord has given them that money because they're a good steward with that money. And maybe the reason why you don't have the money that you see somebody else have because the Lord knows that you haven't been a good steward with the little that you have been given. But it doesn't matter if you've been given a little or you've been given a lot. We need to be good stewards of what He has given us because after all, it is His to begin with. Secondly, we need to thank the Lord. And we need to do this in everything for everything. We should always be giving the Lord thanks. Thirdly, Know the difference between what you want and what you need. Sometimes we think what we want is what we need, but actually it isn't. We need to understand the difference between what we want and what we need. Fourth, and we've kind of already covered this, but spend less than what you make. Okay? Spend less than what you make. This nation, this nation, will not make it due to things like a society that spends money they don't have on things that they don't need. Our own government takes the cake when it comes to that. That's why we won't make it. And I'll give you a, an easy example of excess and greed. Credit cards. They will bury you so quick. And it happens so fast. Oh, I'll, I'll lend you the money. I'll lend you the money because I know you need groceries. But it's going to be 17, 18, 19, 20%. That's greed. When a society is founded on, I loan money out to get a percentage return, that is a textbook example of excess and greed. That's the society that we live in. That's the nation that we live in. Ever since we went to fiat currency, and I'm going to get to this in a second later in more detail, but ever since we even went to fiat currency, which fiat currency is technically the currency that we have now, it's money that's made, it's printed based on good faith. But ever since we've gone on fiat currency, officially off the gold standard with Nixon in the early 70s, we have run a deficit every year since. Every year since. Because we're irresponsible. 
Do you see where I'm going here? Do you think I'm just here to rag on the government? That's not what I'm doing. No. I'm highlighting the fact that that's a man-made system. And if that's the man-made system that I'm seeing from the greatest nation in the world currently, I'm not going to trust it, and you shouldn't either. And with that being said, we need to realize what we, can, what we can finally do. Because not only is it the Lord's to begin with, and not only is the system that we're under right now phony and fake, but we need to give back what is rightfully His. So we need to be good stewards by giving back to God what is His. And we need to remember, what does it say in Luke? Jesus said in Luke that it is better to give than to receive, but he also says, give and it will be given to you. And maybe you're giving so God can give you more so you can give the more. Not for you to, you know, stack away chips and hoard for yourself. Maybe you give and you're given more so you can continue to give, and maybe that you are just in a position to have experience in life to know how to give and when to give again. The 50,000-a-year man is going to have some experiences that the $1 million-a-year man won't have, and vice versa. And sometimes the guy that earns a million dollars a year has a little bit more experience in business, and maybe he's going to be a better steward because he has that type of experience. It's okay to have money. We're not saying that the Bible tells us that it's wrong to have money. We're not saying that it's telling us that you cannot have it, and if you have a lot of it, it's a bad thing. No, that's not what we're saying. We're talking about what is your motivating factor behind the money that you have currently. And so with all that being said, we can easily say this, and this is our first point. Always be content in the Lord's provision. Always be content in the Lord's provision. It may be 50,000 a year or less. It may be a million a year or more. Who knows? But no matter how much it is, you must always be content in the Lord's provision. Again, our main idea this morning stated this. To truly be content, one must solely rely upon the Lord. If we're going to give out quotes today, we have to just go to the father of the assembly line one of the greatest business minds since the Industrial Revolution, Henry Ford, he said this. I want to read two quotes to you here. I'm going to break down each one separately. But here's the first one. It is well enough that people of the nation do not understand our banking and monetary system. For if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. That's why I think it's okay that we say it's a phony system. It's fake. That's basically what Henry Ford's saying. He's saying, if, if you only knew what I know, if you only knew the men that I know that actually draw up the policy, create the laws, pull the strings like a puppet master that keep this monetary world system going, if only you knew everything that I knew, there would be a revolution in the morning because you wouldn't stand for it. Brothers and sisters, this nation will collapse. I'm not being pessimistic this morning. I mean, let's just get over the whole save the country, take back the politics. I mean, just throw all of that aside. It's not about politics. It's not about individual countries. As we've seen in Obadiah, 
Those of you who come into the one hour, one book, it is very clear. Nations rise and fall all the time. This is not a Christian nation. If you ever thought that this was a Christian nation, you're wrong. Nations aren't Christian. Individuals are. Think about that the next time somebody talks to you about how many different races we have in the world. There are not different races. There's one race, the human race. Don't believe the lies. The same system that's providing food and clothing for you so you can provide for your family is lying to you. They're lying to you about the money that you get to get those items. And they're lying to you about a lot of other things. And when I hear these lies, you know what it does for me? It makes me appreciate the truth. There's no truth outside of these pages. This is the only truth. And what does Henry Ford go on to say? What's that second quote say? I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. Think about that. After all the millions, potentially billions in today's money that he earned, looking back on his career, he says, I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. I think he learned, brothers and sisters, what excess and greed will do to a man. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Earlier, I did mention that winning the Powerball may just ruin me. And I'm serious when I say that, but I think right here in verse 9 is the reason why I'm saying it. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You guys have heard me say many a time, I don't trust myself for a multitude of reasons. That's why accountability exists. That's why the local church should be full of those individuals holding one another accountable. And because I don't trust myself, I'm glad that I have brothers and sisters in Christ to help hold me accountable. I'll give you one quick example. The teaser this week, I put one word into the teaser that shouldn't have been there. I get a text from Pastor Jared yesterday because two other people in our church noticed that it was incorrect. you got to love that. you got to love that. Nobody's above the law. We need one another. So Cole, if you ever call me out again, I'm joking. (laughs) But seriously, we need the accountability. It could be argued that those who play the lottery desire to be rich. I think you could say that. It could also be argued by some that all forms of gambling are entertainment. Because that's really what you're doing when you're playing the lottery. It's gambling. But on the flip end, is it entertainment? I was always raised to believe it's not gambling if you can afford to lose what you're going to lose. I would say this. There's things that we do go do for entertainment value. We'll spend money to buy tickets to go see a sporting event, won't we? Is that a form of entertainment? It just matters about what's motivating your heart. If you want to buy a lottery ticket, I'm not saying if you buy a lottery ticket, you're sinning. I'm not saying that. If you're buying it to be entertained, to scratch it off and have a good time, okay, that's one thing. But if you're doing it so you can get rich, so you can have the excess and the greed, now we're crossing over territory into sinfulness, which actually, if you did win, could lead to your destruction. Actually, 
If you don't win, it's probably going to lead to your destruction too because you're going to be playing so many times you're losing money, you're spending money that you can't afford to lose. After all, we also have to remember that excess and greed was highlighted with Judas. He sold Jesus out for a measly 30 pieces of silver. That should tell you what greed will do to a man. For 30 pieces of silver, he sold out the Messiah, the Savior of the universe. You've heard it said, money is the root of all evil. That's one thing that gets misquoted from the Bible all the time. People say, money is the root of all evil. Not true. The Bible does not say that, and we know that from verse 10. See, it can't be. Because the Lord does provide monetarily. He does provide with money. So money couldn't be from that perspective. But also in verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. God's not calling money evil itself. He's calling our motive, our impure motive towards money evil. He's saying it's the root of all kinds of different evil. Because when we pursue money in such a way, it opens up different avenues for us to sin. Again, it's what's in your heart. Think about that first quote. Money shouldn't be in your head, or it should be in your head, not in your heart. You should be smart with your money. You should be wise with your money. Some of us here run businesses. Some of us here are retired and live off a of fixed income. Some of us work for somebody else. No matter how you earn your money, be smart with it, but don't let it penetrate your heart. I want to read that. Quote again from Jonathan Swift, he says, A wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. It's our attitude about money. Whether we have a little or a lot, because you can have the wrong attitude towards money and be in debt. You can have the wrong attitude towards money and have excess. You can have the right attitude towards money and have excess, but I would argue if you have the right attitude towards money, you won't be in debt. Again, I want to go back to what I said earlier. Who cares how much you make? What really matters is, does your lifestyle match up thereafter? Brothers and sisters, the love of money does a lot of things, and we see that throughout the world. It will prevent justice from happening. It takes advantage of the less fortunate, causes men to lie, to cheat, to steal, to murder. And the last time I checked, we are a nation full of such things on many different levels. And it's only going to get worse. We love money so much we've militarized our dollar. That's right. The dollar's really backed by the military. That's what we've done. The Federal Reserve and Treasury are nothing more than a Ponzi scheme. And this is the section that I told you I was going to explain a little bit more about fiat currency. See, we used to back our money up with gold. You have to have so much gold for each paper or dollar that's available. But that is not how it works today. We have military bases all across the world for the sole purpose of keeping the dollar the reserve currency of the world because that's what the dollar is. All other currencies are based upon the United States dollar. But here's how the Ponzi scheme works. And for those of you that don't know what a Ponzi scheme is, I'll explain it very simply. Ponzi scheme starts with a man getting one person to invest. And then they take and steal that man's money and then go get two more people to invest to pay that guy back. And now you keep going two, three, four, five, six, seven, down the line until you, you can no longer pay people back. And then the Ponzi scheme falls apart. The U.S. dollar is just that. This is how it works. You have the Fed, the Federal Reserve, and you have the U.S. Treasury. 
The Federal Reserve is in charge of determining how much money needs to be printed and the Treasury has to print it. So the Fed comes up with a number and says, hey, Treasury, print this money because we need X amount of dollars. So what the Treasury does, they print the money, but they don't get anything for it other than an IOU from the Fed. The Fed says, thank you for printing the money, and they give them an IOU. Now that IOU gets turned into a bond. And then the United States Treasury sells that bond to other countries around the world that's supposedly backed by gold. But it's not because there's only two places in the world where gold is actually stored. And countries don't even possess their own gold. They may move it from one pile to another, or they may just make little marks and ledgers to let them know how much they have or don't have. But then what other countries have to do, because gold's not backing anything up, these bonds that they're buying really are worthless, so they need other countries to trade with them. And so in order to get other countries to trade, they have to devalue their currency. And that's precisely what we see happen in China. China will devalue their currency for the sole purpose of having other countries come and do manufacturing in their country so they can buy the products cheaper. That's how it's a Ponzi scheme. And see, the problem is, and the reason why I'm saying that this country's not going to recover is because that day is coming to an end. The last two recessions that we were in, we got out of those recessions because we printed the money to get out. This current recession that we're in, we are in a recession. The recession is defined by back-to-back -back quarters, two consecutive quarters with negative growth. They're not calling it a recession. And the reason why they're not calling it a recession now is because they've redefined the term of recession, but they've redefined the term because they know we don't have the opportunity, the capabilities of printing ourselves out of this mess. It's okay. And this is what happens when a people group thinks that they're a Christian nation and they never were to begin with and they turn their back on the Lord. And the Lord has said, okay. Because at the end, does it really matter? What we're hearing from Paul to Timothy today, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Pastor Jared shared a stat this morning. I haven't verified it, but I trust him. Trust but verify with this guy. It's, it's been said, if you make combined in your household in the United States around $100,000 a year, you're like in the top 3% of the world. We are an extremely wealthy nation. What have we done with it? We've become increasingly immoral. All our excess and greed has led to being confused about what gender you are, what your sexual orientation is, and on down the line. Pornography runs rampant. This is what happens. But it's all funny money. It's all fake anyway. And this is precisely why Henry Ford stated what he stated. He knew this back then. We live in a different era. We live in a different time. We have access to more information. We, because of our excess and greed, kind of have Henry Ford level status amongst the world now, don't we? We are now gaining insight that only the most powerful men of their day 100 years ago could achieve. Henry Ford himself called this out. It's not real. Brothers and sisters, I can't stress this any more than what I'm about ready to. Everything I just said is the reason why I'm a Christ follower. It's the reason why I'm a Christian. 
It's a reason why the day I picked up the Bible and read Romans 12, 1 and 2, and Paul wrote, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Because why? Because you've realized that this world is a pattern. Do not follow the pattern of this world. Be renewed by your mind. And what he's saying is, repent and believe in Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit so your mind can be renewed. I'm not saying what I'm saying so we can start a revolution and change things. I'm saying what I'm saying because the revolution that's here, that's been going on, that is happening currently, it is happening. There's a revolution in this country. Like it or not, a revolution is here. But it doesn't matter. Because nothing that happens externally should ever compromise our faith. Time and space, let them have it. Let Satan have time and space, but give me eternity through Jesus and him alone. And that brings us to our second point. Those who love money consume, but are never satisfied. Those who love money consume, but are never satisfied. Again, our first point this morning stated this, always be content in the Lord's provision, always. He's the one that provides. And again, our main idea for this morning stated this. To truly be content, one must solely rely upon the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your truth in a dark world. You have illuminated the way. I just pray that we can be a church that shares that truth with others so others can come to a saving faith in you for all of eternity. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.